0: Welcome to Digity Talks about real business stories. I am Isabella Ingrid, and I will be joined by real founders chatting about the challenges, solutions, and any other truth behind a business. If you're a founder, an entrepreneur, or you would like to become one, you might want to listen to this podcast. Hi, everyone. We are here today with Pablo from Erex, making real estate digital. So hi, Pablo. Thank you for taking this time to chat with me today.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Would you like to start by introducing yourself and what Erex is, when you started it, what it's doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So AREX is now, it was founded, let's say, legally and officially end of 2019. Uh, great time to start a company, by the way. Um, but uh, the idea and the concept behind it uh, was actually born or was in the works for a couple of years before that. And so essentially what we saw was that in general, real estate was lagging in terms of technology, especially um, to its cousin, fintech, right? And and we saw there was like a rule of thumb, five, 10 years behind things still being done in by fax and on paper. And we just thought there was a lot of potential there to to disrupt, We design and build investment tools for real estate investors um, that focus on data capture and document processing uh, for better decision-making and just more transparency. And um, it doesn't sound great, I think, for, for the average person, but the implications of this are actually uh, quite neat. And I think that it, it can have, um, or we hope it will have, long-lasting um Let's say, effects on, on the sector. Um, so in terms of what we hope to contribute to the community is, is I think, in, in a couple of words, it's just a better user experience when investing or buying real estate. Uh, there are other things that are tied to that. Uh, the fact that, on average, um, people pay 10% of the value of their houses in just transaction costs. Uh, which is just pushing paper back and forth, which we think is something that, that should change, but it's is a bit more of a complex uh, issue that we'll probably get for a few other podcasts or conversations. Um, but yeah, essentially better user experience when transacting real estate.
0: What would you say that was your biggest challenge during this, this business journey? One of the biggest ones can go from operations to the even the, the, the pandemic part, or you can say the, the, it was a product itself. We had some technical problems. What was it
1: for you? Yeah, I think uh, we had a lot of challenges at different levels. Uh, and just to touch upon a few, I think the there's so much to be done in real estate, um, and there's so much, uh, let's say, room to roam. Uh, if you look at the at the prop tech map, um, you see there are hundreds of companies, right, and and a lot of people trying to do a lot of different things. Uh, and and that is, I think, symptomatic of The fact that the priority of the issues and the gravity of the different issues is not really clear. So deciding on what you're going to fix when you have this whole list of things that need fixing uh, is not easy, especially when you're looking um, at real estate, which is a hyper-local business in many aspects, Um, finding a market that's big enough that you can compete in and where you can actually have an impact from the first moment. was a challenge. Um, another thing I think on a broader level was, uh, and I think this happens to organizations large and small, is finding the right people, um, especially now where human and social interaction, I don't know if, if, it, if we can really say it, it's changed, but it's definitely changing or, or has changed for a little bit. Um, finding the right people and, and how you work with these people also um, is a challenge. And then from a startup perspective, I think, uh, startups are, and then you'll know this as you have gone through it yourself, is an extremely personal thing, right? So, your, how you manage yourself really impacts um, how you manage your company, especially when you are 150, 30% of it. Yeah. uh, As opposed to 0.00, whatever, right? In a a large corporation. Uh, And for me, uh, and this is, very much symptom of my previous uh, work and, and roles was finding the difference between being busy and being productive right and so being busy just means that you say no to things right and, and you're occupying yourself with something regardless of, of the value or, or if that's moving you forward or, or or contributing to anything. Being productive is finding the right thing to do yeah right and, and, do, and doing it efficiently. And it's kind of like what I mentioned before with real estate, when you have such a long to-do list uh, of things to do, where do you start, what to do, what's more important, legal or HR? Uh, should I be selling 99.9% of the time or should I be working on the product? Um, so that there is no easy answer to that and that, chain, that is different for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but definitely shaking off the feeling that uh, I think that you can see in two ways. One, that if you're sitting at your desk 20 hours a day, then the company will move forward. That's hmm. false, I think, because yes. you can be doing something. You can be arranging your inbox 19 hours, and that's not going to bring you funds or clients, no matter how organized you show them you are.
0: But how did you understand and when did you understand that there are some things that, just, that are just time-consuming and not bringing in any results, and there are other activities that you should be focusing more on?
1: I think the I, I think the universal answer to that question is is just brutal honesty with yourself. So just saying, so every now and then checking in, what has this gotten me, right? What have we achieved because of this? Okay, my inbox is looking like Buckingham Palace. So now, now, now what, right? Uh, next day is going. You're going to start all over again, um, and so having that self consciousness of what is coming from what you are doing uh, is very useful and then a more practical thing at least in my case was don't start just doing you have to plan first right even if it's and it can be uh, on the Sunday afternoon it can be whatever your routine is 10 minutes before you start or while you're having coffee in the morning um, just say okay am I doing this and then Everyone has their own little frameworks where they say, okay, is this uh, a quick kill? Uh, Is this something that I need uh, to focus and sort of disconnect from the world? Um, And in that process, don't just see how long it's going to take, but what are you getting out of it, right? What's your return on that investment of time and, and, and resources? So there are a lot of things like, oh, yeah, it'd be great to kind of redesign my website and rewrite all the copy and everything um but the truth about that is yes it is let's say impactful or you're going to feel like you're doing something because you're it's going to be out there but how will you measure whether that was time well spent or not and in this case maybe it's not the best example because you can look at more visits or or whatever but maybe it's not uh the redesign itself but the sem seo that you're doing on your website yeah right definitely so i think i mean it's not an easy thing to do um but, and it sounds sort of very kind of catchy, but uh, but yeah, I think personally that was, that was one of the big realizations that I had, especially during the pandemic.
0: Also before founding my business, I was working remotely. and um, I was I was going through different phases until I got to a point where I finally found my way of kind of managing and, and planning what I have to do next. Um, And that is no matter where I'm taking my notes during the day, at the end of the day, putting everything together, understanding what is the priority for the next day, what I should be doing the next day first, what second, what third. And I tend to prioritize in the early morning, which is when I'm most productive. But then again, that's very personal. The tasks that I hate, like let's take accounting, for example.
1: (laughs) Get them out of the way
0: yeah yeah so just just get rid of those and i managed to get rid of those very easily and quickly but i really need to to be fresh like in the morning when i'm the most productive there are people that are more, more productive in the night and that's definitely fine but i yeah. think it's it's very personal as you said and you need to understand when you should be prioritizing what uh in order to be the most productive for yourself and your business as well that is definitely yeah,
1: and, and w- one of the, one of the ways that um kind of we try to implement this as a team is uh because obviously when you're building a company you're also building a lot of processes right so to take your example accounting right so there's going to be someone that does the input or, or like gets the gathers the data uh someone who puts it on the system then you have the accountant that goes on so it's all about processes or hiring someone or onboarding a client and um Ahead, like li- linking this back to my previous point, we always try and make a point to have to build processes that work for you or the company, not the other way around. Right. So to give you an example, um, when I started, I was sort of very finicky about sort of let's get everything in order, to get everything done. So I wanted to manually uh, copy what was on some statements that we could only receive through PDF onto a spreadsheet, and that was like. Uh, At the beginning, it was like 10, 20 transactions, but then it gets up to uh, almost 100. And you're just sitting down there and you're working for a process. The work process is not working for you, right? And you're a slave to that. Your present and your future self is a slave to that process. So also that brutal honesty also with regards to the processes that you are building and implementing is also a key because you start at the beginning and then you'll eventually arrive at a point where... uh, this has been delegated three times. And when someone asks, so why are we doing this? They just say, well, it's just we, it's just what we've always done. And they're yeah. sort of, and that's the thing, right? Um, so those are the ones that I would say I, I always try to avoid.
0: Yeah. You always get to a point where you realize you need to change what you were doing. Even if that's been working so far, maybe there's a point where you actually need to improve your way of working as well. So that's, that's very important. And now let's get to my favorite question. What is it that you hate about... Uh, being a founder, like what is the the worst activity, the, the thing that you hate doing the most?
1: I, mean, I, I try not to hate things, um, but I would say, I don't know. Um, I think, and, and, and this is kind of, I don't know if it directly answers your question, but one thing that I find a little, let's say, disappointing or very disappointing is Um, And there are some great people out there that help startups, but the business of starting businesses. So people who try and sort of leech off startups with uh, pitching competitions that they charge you for to go in. And there's this whole, and this goes back to my point earlier, you're working for these organizations that doesn't really advance your company. Right. So for example, like, and again, they're, they're great competitions. Like, for example, we uh, were invested in by Techstars, uh, who's a business accelerator with whom we've had a great experience. And they add a lot of value and have been great support during and before the pandemic. Um, but there are others where they'll ring you up and say, hey, you can come in, and for uh, the great price of $50,000, you can come over to X Country. And uh, pitch, and you may get something or no. Um, okay. And so, um, and and the reason why, uh, and I don't know if I articulated it the right way, uh, because it's something that I think specific. I I only encountered once I started a company. They were I was just getting bombarded by these emails, and, and they make you feel important, but then you scratch under the surface, and and there isn't much there, and and they're just sort of being it's it's borderline scam. Um, And that really drives, I don't know if you've um, come across this, but they want you to enter these competitions where you have to write all these long essays and these big things. And that's really taking away from your business. Um, And so if I had to kind of sum it up, I think I hate the distractions that sometimes come with being a founder that take attention away from what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. That those things that sound actually pretty cool, you know, to to execute. Like you said, the competition and stuff, and people will, you know, they listen yeah. to my and pitch, and you get the publicity. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but then, if you put together the costs of that. Uh, the effective cost of that. And then the time you're putting into that that is completely not worth it. Um, yeah, we've been through that as well with, with several PR agencies that were requiring different uh, different actions from my, um, from my side. And I was always trying to put on a balance, okay, the time I have to invest in this, um, the money I have to invest in this because there's always a fee and then what I'm getting out of this. So oh, yeah. is, it, is it worth it or not? And this brings me to the next question. If a future founder would come to you and ask you, what is it that I should know before starting a business? What would be the first suggestion, the first tip you would give them? What would be the first thing you would tell them that you wished someone had told you before?
1: Great question. Um... Take your time. I know it's, it's difficult. So, so here's what I think I do, because this obviously happens. So one thing that happens when when you you're starting a business and and people hear about it is it comes up in conversation and they tell you their business ideas. It's like, oh yeah, I always wanted to do this or I'm thinking about doing that. Um and, and not because they're they're lazy or whatever, 99% of the people end up not doing that but that's just statistics right? like people have lives obligations and, and things uh not that we didn't have them but it just so happened that the things happened in a way that we went on to to build a company um i think a good exercise is go out there socialize the idea um share it with everyone and rather than collecting like collecting all the reasons why you should start a business, collect all the reasons why you shouldn't start that business, that specific business, right? Yes. So in general, and, and this is, again, a personal thing, but I believe that there are always many reasons not to do something, Yeah. right? And, and if it was um, uh, a numerical thing, we would probably never do anything, right? Uh, so that's why I think that, all you need is one good enough reason to do things. Right? You can have all these other bad reasons and, and other reasons not to do things, but if you have one good reason, go for it. Yeah. And so, to know if that reason is good enough, you have to be aware of all the other ones. Um, and again, this take with a pinch of salt because if you if you want to shoot your idea down, that can be done very quickly, very easily, and and it won't happen. Um, so when people come and, and tell me, is I. Recommend people not to start their businesses just because if they're doing it because of what I'm telling them, they shouldn't yeah. be starting a business, right? Yeah. They should they should try and overcome and sort of be very driven and and not get distracted by what, what other people are saying. Uh, then obviously when because um, then I do a bit of mentoring uh, for for some friends and other and other companies and and, and students. Um, then I'm always super happy to support and uh, share my expertise and everything and things like these, uh, my limited expertise. But, um, but yeah, essentially I, I tell people not to start their businesses. And I think that's a good test that if they go on and do it, I mean, obviously if they're planning to do something illegal or something blatantly uh, that they shouldn't be doing, well, I, I actually mean it. But I try not to tell people, maybe I don't say no every time, but I try not to push them to do anything right? Because they should be pushing themselves.
0: Yes, definitely. I definitely understand that part. It happened to me several times that I was talking to some possible clients uh, and we work in marketing, right? So when we we usually meet with these founders, um, we ask them to introduce their their business and what they're doing and, and how it's working. And if they talk to us, it's because they need marketing. But then when talking to them, As a marketer that just wants to, you know, just make the money, I could say, yeah, of course, we can help you. Uh, This is definitely a great idea. It's working well. Let's do that. This is the contract. This is how much you have to commit. But what I'm doing is instead being bold, honest. And uh, because at the end of the day, I didn't start a business to make the money. I started the business to try to help startups, right? So what I actually do with some of them, and not all of them appreciate that, is Telling them, okay, you know, actually this product is not at the stage where you can actually market it. So, and I not just say that, I, I usually highlight what are the, the things that need improvement, the website communication, probably the, the whole sales flow that they have in place, some automation they may have. So all these kind of factors that contribute to also our success because marketing is is for both of us. It's not just for us, it's for the business as well. So if I already know that that business has a product that is not ready to market, I can try as hard as I want, but it won't work because at the end of the day, if the people land, for example, on a website that is not ready, then it wouldn't make sense, right? And it's the same for uh, when some people come with some business ideas that uh, was already there or that even failed. So there was this example a couple of days ago of a company that had an idea for an app and that I found, I remember that I, um, I used an app that was similar some some years ago. And I looked for that app and I was like, okay, this app is not there anymore. Can you look into that? Like why this happened? Why they closed? What, what happened? And this is simply to, to help them understand that you they also need to look at the need. Uh, they don't always have to look at the idea and maybe th- that idea that is not out there yet, or maybe it yeah. was there, uh, they just didn't know. So yeah. I always push on, try to understand what, what your customers need. Try to understand if that's really something they would use and then go for it. Even if it's an amazing idea, even if it's uh, great uh, because there's nothing like that out there. If there's nothing, there might also be a reason so try to also understand this. So that's probably something I would suggest now to, yeah. to the new founders. Yeah,
1: and, and I think with that point, I think it's a really good point is, um, you especially at the beginning, you are starting a relationship with these people and that relationship is a very large percentage of your time and your image at the beginning right because at the beginning your client base is 100 percent one client then it's 50 percent and until it gets to the point where it's negligible and you get to like one percent or even lower hopefully that who you work with really impacts how you are perceived by the market and, um, and this is more relating to investors, but a quote that, that um, a mentor of ours had back in, in Canada was um, investments in startups uh, statistically last longer than marriages, right? And, and in the end, uh, a company that's starting to work with a startup is probably doing it as some some, some form of investment, right? Yes. So you really need to be comfortable with, what they do, how they do it, the people there. And uh, I mean, there's, there's a ton of literature around this about being selective with your client, which is kind of, um, doesn't feel right at the beginning because all you want is to bring everyone as, on as a client and hire everyone that wants to work with you when no one will, et cetera. Um, but it is important. It, it's an investment for your future and for your brand and, and for your general day-to-day wellbeing, who you work with and, and both be it investment client or employee.
0: Exactly. That's one thing
1: that I, I would tell people starting a company that those are really key decisions you need to be very careful about.
0: Definitely. Yes, I agree. So to wrap everything up, um, is there anything else you would like to add for people or otherwise just tell everyone where they can find you and also your business?
1: Yeah. So I think we went uh, over quite a few points. Um, happy to to elaborate on any of everyone thinks I'm wrong. Um, I'm, available around uh feel free to drop me something on, on on linkedin um but otherwise you guys can see what we're doing at arex.technology that's a r e x dot the word technology um and yeah really thank you for for having me it was great speaking to you It was, it was great for me as
0: well yeah it was really great for me as well and um i'm looking forward to to meeting you in the future um best of luck Hopefully. with your with your business as well and um Take care. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like this format, don't forget to follow and listen to the next ones. I'll keep chatting with founders about business challenges and solutions. For questions or feedback, you can always reach out at digity.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn as Digity. Until next time.